Welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. The AOC team, together with our friend and partner Earl Herrick from Earl's Organic Produce, took to St. Anthony's a couple of weeks back, a community center in San Francisco and food kitchen, um, where we spent a couple of hours serving food to the guests that morning. And we were surprised to find that the guests that were being served were not only people who were homeless and perhaps lived on the street, but there were families and even people who had a job. Our topic in this episode is to explore the new world of hunger, the new face of hunger, building community through food. And with the holidays are upon us and volunteering on many people's minds, we invited Carl Robillard back to the studio, who is the Communications and Outreach Senior Manager at the St. Anthony Foundation, to talk with us about the new face of hunger and his experience in building community through food. We're your host, Helga Helberg. Okay. And Sitarani Palomar. Well, I know this is going to be a very touching hour. We had such a wonderful interview when we had Carl on last year, and we had a wonderful experience just when you were talking about it recently, Helga. But on the same topic of community and celebration, we want to touch on a news piece that we found to be very interesting, perking <laughs> our ears. There was, on October the 24th, National Food Day. Food day. And the thing that struck me the most about this was I don't really remember seeing much about National Food Day. I didn't see the media responding. I heard very little about it, being somebody who's in the food movement as a career myself. And I completely support what they're doing. Their mission is to create a nationwide celebration and movement for healthy, affordable, and sustainable food. And they consider themselves a grassroots organization that will help to build better food policies. All things that we support. And they have the objective to try and fix this broken system and they have thousands of events all over the country to try and get people aware of what's going on. They have a huge board, an advisory board of lots of famous foodies that you would know of, people like Michael Pollan, Jane Fonda, Dan Barber, Dr. Caldwell Esselstein, who's of the Forks Over Knives fame, and we had them on the show a couple of years ago. It's such a fantastic group of congressmen and celebrities and all kinds of people who support this idea of food day. And I just, <laughs> I, I was just kind of surprised by the whole thing being so under the radar. And I really do want to support these kinds of things, but how do we get mass media involved in having a grassroots organization that's trying to help build community and build awareness and build education? And hopefully we can do more with it next year, but it's just it's just a little, a little interesting thing to dive into about why it went so low on the awareness scale. <laughs> well, so where that led to in this conversation, because we love the idea, we love the, we love the fact that people are creating this awareness. But then we started thinking about, what is this that there's days, right? And there's really important days out there that, you're, that we all want to remember, and, and sometimes in deep reverence and things like that. But we started looking into it, and, you know, there was National Hug Your Bear Day, as a matter of fact, today the day the the show is airing. We've got um, have your party with your bear day. We have International Day for Tolerance, National Button Day. I wore buttons on my shirt for that reason. National Fast Food Day. So today, those are all the days. And 
I'm Helga. Now, so what's going on for you right now? It's just when I heard that you know National Food Day. Yes, is it important to to um, to pay more attention to the issues surrounding food and food security? But do we really need one day a year where we do that? What is it not important enough to pay attention to that every day? Mm-hmm. And so when when the idea came up, and I know there's you know, AIDS Awareness Day. And uh, as you said, really important, wonderful, celebratory, um, you know, moments of, of reminding somebody of the values of life. And I think I'm all for that. That's beautiful. But looking into what really uh, people have created, there's the Deviled Egg Day, uh, Housewife Day, Sandwich Day. There's the Absurdity Day, Absurdity Day, actually, Absurdity Day. Um, there's a beautiful day, there's a not-so-beautiful day, there's chaos never dies day. It has become so inflated with, um, or in, in, is that inflated when it's inflationary? Yeah, um, where it, it doesn't, it has no meaning anymore. And I know saying that on the airwaves, that hug your bear day is not important. Whoever, whoever put that up, it was important enough for them, and I respect that. I just do feel there, there are thousands of days now pit your cherry uh, spit your cherry pit day where i just you know the meaning and the importance of a dedicated day to really be in response and observance of something is completely lost did they that. bother you when you didn't <laughs> know that they existed no but there's a bother day i'm sure yeah. i haven't found it yet but, um, yeah well so he, so here's what i think about that is first of all i want to honor the fact that yes we all think that some days are more important than others what i found for it and I wouldn't even have known these things were even here if I wouldn't have been <laughs> wouldn't have been in this conversation because I've never paid attention to it. But let's say you know somebody who likes bears, right? And you said, "Hey, by the way, I saved an extra piece of pizza because it's natural. Give your bear a piece of pizza day." The thing about it for me is any way that we can create some connection with somebody who maybe we don't know or someone who. We don't have a connection with. And even if it's that, sometimes it's that those little gestures that enable, that actually create the humanness of being in this world because they, you remembered enough that someone likes, has bad hair, right? And you said, you know, I know, here, this is kind of funny. I just wanted to recognize it's National Bad Hair Day. So right on, look at mine, da 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 So here's what I would just like to just say to you, Helga. I'm creating a new day right oh, now, no. and it's going to be called Namaste. <laughs> I'm sure it exists already, <laughs> but thank you. That's great. Yeah, I hear that. And again, you know, if somebody really wants to honor, put pizza in your bear's face day, um, I, I'll respect that if, if they were sincere about it. And I can't judge that from here. But there's, you know, guys that fake it day. And I, I just don't, I can't get behind that. And for me, well, it does. Well, but anyway, you we really will not find a solution. particular feelings about having a national food day, <clears throat> particularly. And that was part of the reason why yeah, we chose this as a topic. Because to not, we have one day that's right. for national food it's day. Like having one peace day. Got to like, start no, somewhere. Come on, guys. Fair enough, Mark. Nice <clears throat> perspective. Got to start somewhere. Yep, we got to start somewhere. Well, we won't agree on this one, but <laughs> <laughs> we will agree on the next one. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helder. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Also streaming now on TalkStreamNetwork.com. If you want to follow this conversation via video podcast, TalkStreamNetwork.com, or on one of our 30-plus outlets, iTunes, and stations listed on an organic conversation 
facebook.com and always, of course, for recipes and more tips and information on facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. Our topic today is the new face of hunger, building community through food with a wonderful guest, reoccurring guest, Second time on the show, I believe, Carl Robillard, Communications and Outreach Senior Manager for the St. Anthony Foundation, to talk with us about that changing phase of hunger and what food can do, building community through food, not just on food day, but really every day throughout the year. Before we dive into that topic, though, something we all do agree on is Sita's holistic bite. I'm touched that it's something you all agree on, <laughs> and I think you're going to particularly agree on today's topic. Today's topic is about eating healthy around the holidays, because you may not necessarily eat healthy on the holidays, and that's okay. <laughs> so particularly, there are some tricks you can do in the days that are not your indulgence party days to help make the 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 meta metabolic burden or the, the indul overindulgence burden a little bit less. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I want to reiterate, which I've said before on the show, is eat breakfast. Prioritize having breakfast. And if you can do that, do it within the first 30 minutes of waking up. That's what it means to prioritize breakfast. Prioritize breakfast doesn't mean make sure you have breakfast while you're in the car driving and you're scarfing down a muffin in your first meeting, et cetera, et cetera. It means before you check your email on your iPhone in bed or before you go and take your shower, have some breakfast. Make it be the first thing you do. It'll set an amazing foundation. It'll also mellow you out. And when you have your breakfast, eat protein with breakfast. Things like toast with almond butter or tofu or egg scramble, yogurt, an, a smoothie with an organic rice protein. Have protein at breakfast and give your body a really good foundation. Then make sure you snack throughout the day because if you eat snacks regularly, you're going to curb that massive appetite that you have when it comes to mealtime, especially when you're looking at going to a, a, a luncheon, a holiday luncheon for the office or a big party dinner with your girlfriends or whatever you've got coming up. Make sure you eat frequent snacks and vary those snacks with good quality fats, nice fruits, and also some protein really. And then another thing I want people to think about is you want to, this is something that really I'm drawing from a fantastic book that came out in the last year called The Fast Metabolism Diet. The author's name is Haley Pomeroy. We're hoping we can have her come on and share her philosophy on our show in the next year, in 2014. But she is really about how do you fire up that metabolism to burn whatever you put in your body. And so she has these great tips, like if you know you're going to have a really heavy dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, for example, make sure you eat protein every two hours. And make sure that you have lots of vegetables leading up to the main event. Because what it does is it amps up your metabolism enough that it can burn the extra sugars and fat that you're going to consume in your dinner. And speaking of sugars, this is my favorite tip, I think, in her entire book. And the entire book is really fantastic. And it comes from a very holistic point of mind, which is important to me whenever I look at any kind of new diet. She says, if you are anticipating a sugar binge, instead of ODing your system, If you eat more sugars, good sugars, throughout the day, your complex carbohydrates, your fruits, what it will do is it will elevate your blood sugar level 
throughout the day, but not at an unhealthy level. But it will keep it high enough that when it comes time to eat all of the pies at Thanksgiving dinner or sugar cookies that you're making for the holidays, your body is already better equipped to deal with the sugar you're about to feed it. So these are just a few of the brilliant tips that come from her and other things that we've gathered as we've learned to not overindulge on pasta and cookies and bread and all of those things on the off times because it's totally fine to have a really indulgent time when you're celebrating the holidays. So I hope that's helpful. Eat healthy around the holidays and enjoy the holidays. That was this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita. Mm -hmm. Chef Sita, you took some notes there, Mark? I, I not only took <laughs> notes, but I was recognizing complex carbohydrates. That could be a sweet potato for <clears throat> breakfast in the morning with some eggs or avocado or something like that to start your day, right? And one of the things, there's a, there's a few things that you were bringing up. I've often found it, a lot of these celebrations are midday during the holidays, right? Someone's having dinner at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, most of us don't eat unless we're older than me. Don't eat dinner at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And so you're going into, so maybe you eat breakfast and you say, well, I'm not going to really have lunch because I'm about ready to have dinner. And then you're kind of stretching that meal. So that And that snacking is really important, like you you were saying. It's like keeping something there every two or three hours like you were talking about. And they did a study where they had people eat apples 15 minutes before they had lunch or a big meal or something like that. Just an average-sized apple. And people who ate an apple consumed up to 200 calories less during their meal without even thinking about it. First of all, because there's soluble fiber in apples, right? So it fills you up, but it's also good for you because it also helps things move, move through you. But it's that filling up before you go, before you go dive into those chips mm -hmm. and, the, and that heavy dip and stuff like that. So if you got an apple and you're on your way and you didn't eat lunch because it's in that weird time, bring an apple with you and eat it before you go. And then you can still, you know, do your thing. Um, and then the other key thing there was, I actually have learned, it in a, uh, is that if I take small amounts, I don't deny myself any of the whatever's there, but it's like I just take small mm -hmm. amounts of each, and I and and then that allows just a me lot. to oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of small amounts. Well, but it, but it's really made yeah. a difference because then I'm not saying I can't have this. I'm saying, oh, yeah. this is good. But I'm not going to just stand at the dip bowl. I'm going to take a few yes. and then walk away and then move mm -hmm. on to something mm -hmm. else. Or something and you like have that. lost, uh, actually, you know, hail to you. What is it, 30 pounds? Yeah. Yeah, you look great. So it does seem to work. I just love that that principle of eat more, just eat the right things at the right time mm -hmm. to lose more, right, or to not gain. That is just a concept. Usually diets say what to cut out or, you know, to measure and to, it's all about calories. Well, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I like that. Just mm -hmm. boost your metabolism. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sita. Yes. May we all be well during the holidays. And that's a perfect segue to our topic, the new phase of hunger, building community through food, with a fantastic guest here in the studio joining us. This is an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit Earl's Organic. 
Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And with us is Carl Robillard here in the studio. He is the Communications and Outreach Senior Manager for the St. Anthony Foundation a food kitchen and community center in San Francisco, here in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, having served the people in need for what, call 64 years. Yeah. 64. <laughs> and you don't look 64 a day old. Year. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Thank you for coming <laughs> in the studio today. Moisturizer. <laughs> yes. It's great to have you, and we want to explore the new face of hunger, building community through food. Um, we volunteered um, just a few days back at St. Anthony's for one Saturday morning with our friend and partner Earl Herrick from Earl's Organic Produce. And um, it was amazing to see not the, the typical person you would expect, perhaps somebody without a home who lives on the street, but really families, even people with jobs. Before we dive into that topic, though, and um, tell us about your role and how you found St. Anthony's and, and what you do as an outreach coordinator. Sure. So um, really, my job is to uh, take care of uh, any kind of communications and outreach for the organization. And what that looks like is website, social media, radio traditional shows. media, radio shows, <laughs> all these things, and organic conversation being on the top of that list. <laughs> but um, the outreach, too, is very much person to person. So we have about 10,000 individual volunteers, including the three of you, who come through there every year. So it's building their, you know, an education program around that and making sure that people do understand, in addition to just a meal, what are some of the questions in terms of why are we serving 3,000 meals a day in one of the wealthiest cities in the, in the world? So it's, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. And I think when we had you on the show um, uh, months and months back, too long, but um, you were saying that really without those volunteers, even though you have you know, lots of paid staff, 3,000 people to serve with food and the coordination and the cooking and getting the food and all that, keeping the doors open, without volunteers, you couldn't do this, right? This oh, there's no way. This is entirely yeah. volunteer-based in that sense. Absolutely. And when we look at one meal we're serving, and as you mentioned, 3,000 meals a day, it's probably 90% base and volunteer work. So wow. it's, it's, again, the staff are, you know, the core of some of the very operational things, but really the way that thing moves and hums is through volunteers. Amazing that you are still trusting that those volunteers mm -hmm. are coming in the door every day as they said they would um, with, with the need that you have, knowing that without them it can't work. Mm -hmm. So congratulations to you doing a great job. And a beautiful mix. <laughs> we were volunteering with a gentleman who had been doing this every Saturday for 13 years. 13 years. I was just, the capacity of the human heart is amazing. Yeah, beautiful. Well, Sasha, Christian, <coughs> uh, Vicky was working with us. Um, Velma. Yeah. She's been doing it for Big 10 shout years. Out for 10 years. Mohammed's been doing it for 13 years. <laughs> yeah. Marsha was behind year. the counter putting desserts on trays. I mean, it, it really, it, it was really interesting because before we started our first question, it just, you know, we pulled up, I got out of the car and I, I was prepared. I was going, I was ready to go. And I had this little bit of apprehension as soon as I got out of the car. I was like, okay, I'm not in Kansas anymore. Right. 
and I thought, you know, I thought, what is that for me? What is that? And then I realized it's the same thing that you ha- when I, that I have going to like a high end restaurant or party where maybe I don't know anybody there. It was just that moment of like, okay, this is new, new territory. This is, this is new territory. How do I put my feet on the ground and how do I judge yes. it? And I walked in the door, and it was just like instantly we were just in and welcome and part of it. <laughs> and the great part of it for me was, is just like. Anybody, any day can walk in there to help, and everybody is welcome at whatever capacity. And I felt yeah. that instantly as soon as I walked through the door. It wasn't even a greeting that I got. It was just instantaneous. It was just like, we're all here. Yeah, here's an apron. This is what you do. You go. As long as you can walk, and even actually that's not even true. Even if you could just sit, you could mm-hmm. still hand you out still certain things, the drinks or whatever. And just to explain, it's in the Tenderloin, St. Anthony's Foundation, which is a, an underserved area in San Francisco um, among big shops just three blocks away. But that area um, has a lot of need of people. And, uh, and, and, of course, people come because St. Anthony's has done it for 64 years. And so that comes right to our first question is and the reason we wanted to have, have you on again is like I, I, things changed for me when I walked in there. And so there is a new face to hunger out there. And you alluded to this last year when you were on the show, Carl, is, is what is that? What are you seeing? Well, who is that person coming in? Because I think all of us in our mind have an idea of who that is. Mm-hmm. And yet I don't think most of us really, I didn't know. And now being there at the dining room, being able to serve, I got a whole, a whole new light on who's, who's in that dining room. Yeah. You know, I, I think the way you frame that is, is really perfect. I think for someone who has not been to St. Anthony's, the first thing they think of is probably a chronically homeless person. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, really the stereotype of a sure. shopping cart, you know. And I would say, again, these numbers change. No one knows exactly what these are. But roughly, they estimate about 16,000 people in San Francisco who are homeless or marginally housed. And of that, maybe 3,000 are chronically homeless. So you're looking at a population of about 12, 13,000 who may be in and out of housing, maybe in and out of jobs, really about 70 to 75% of those folks. So it's really important just to acknowledge, you know, it, it is going to look a lot different than probably what you first perceived. Mm-hmm. Or even made up in your mind. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you're saying even though it's at St. Anthony's is a trusted resource, it's not maybe an exact mirror of who's coming to St. Anthony's of what's out there in, in need. Well, yeah, I do. I you, think. Are you saying it is yeah, a pretty I, I fair think reflection? We've often um, talked about St. Anthony's in the, in the line that forms outside of that dining room every day for the last 64 years. It's really a social barometer. Uh-huh. I mean, you look at that. So, you know, one of the things we've realized this year, from year over year, we have about a 60% increase in families coming to a variety of St. Anthony programs. That might be coming for clothing, coming for food. So, we've seen this dramatic increase in, in parents with kids. So, that 60%. Begs 60% increase from one year to the next. So that really begs a number of questions in terms of what is happening out there, what is going on with families in San Francisco, but it might be a bigger trend, you know, and and that's part of our job, not just to serve those meals, but to question and and understand a little bit more about that. Mm -hmm. We had a news piece a few weeks back that I think touched on a similar issue because there's a, the the House passed a bill that was going to cut the food stamp program. Happened today. Yep. November 1st. Yeah. Or it happened yesterday. It just took effect. Oh. Yeah. See, now I did. 
Okay, that's another discussion. Whew, that's heavy. Um, what was so dramatic about it for me was that their perception was the employment rate is going up, so we shouldn't be putting as much money in food stamp because people are not learning how to budget their money better. But I think what was critically missing from that analysis is are people making a living wage? Right. And so when you say 60% increase, of family, in, in the family population, I start thinking, maybe it was enough to take care of yourself when you were a single, but when you have a family to take care of, the, the minimum wage or whatever you're making at your job is maybe not enough to keep a roof over your heads and food on the table for a family of four. Absolutely. And making a decision between the two, right? I yeah. mean, food and shelter, um, or education, food and shelter. If it's about keeping the kids in school and having a roof over the head, maybe that's where all the income goes. And then there's not enough to maybe to stretch it into the month, but you know, come the yeah. 20th of the month, and you got paid on the first. At that moment, money runs out. Absolutely, and those are the tough that, choices people yeah. make. Yeah, and and see to just answer the question. So so what is in play right now is is the proposed 40 billion dollar cut over a number of years, but the five billion cut to the food stamp snap budget is what happened November 1st. Mm -hmm, is what you mm -hmm, said, Mark, mm -hmm. and. Uh, what that means for Californians, because five billions across the country, is it's just under $500 million less that they're going to get November 1st than they got October 31st. So we've worked, there's, there's lots of groups mm -hmm. that crunch these numbers, but the most uh, provocative number for me is for a family of four, 60% increase over the year, that's 21 meals a month that they're going to miss. So that's you know close to a meal a day it's that they're now yeah, exactly. not going to have mm -hmm. overnight. So it, it's a serious concern. And I mean, there really is no coincidence that we've seen that increase. And then we look at some of the policies and some of the budget negotiations sure. that are happening. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why we picked this topic, the new face of hunger, building community through food, with Carl Robillard, our guest today, communications and outreach senior manager of the St. Anthony Foundation in San Francisco. That is ST for St. Anthony's, anthonysf.org. SanctAnthonySF.org for more information. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark and I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we want to dive more into that new phase of hunger, what those budgets cut mean as pressure for St. Anthony's and many, many other outlets that provide food and clothing and other services throughout the communities, throughout the country. We'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. NextSpace brings together a professional, collaborative workspace with a warm, supportive community. It's a place where you can do your very best work. And now, NextSpace is introducing NextKids, a workspace that also provides great on-site child play care. Hi, I'm Diana Rothschild, founder and chief mom of NextKids. We believe that you can be a better parent and produce better work when you seamlessly integrate work and life. We're better together. Join this conversation at nextkids.us. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Again, you can follow An Organic Conversation on anorganicconversation.com, also on iTunes, and on talkstreamnetwork.com for a video podcast of every episode from now on. 
the new face of hunger, our topic today, building community through food with a wonderful guest, reoccurring guest, Carl Robillard, communications and outreach senior manager from the St. Anthony Foundation in San Francisco. Carl, we talked about seeing now um, a drastic increase of families coming to St. Anthony's as a barometer of what's going on throughout the city, perhaps throughout the state, and perhaps even throughout the country as recent budget cuts of food stamps programs and, 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 and such uh, have taken effect. Um, who else are you seeing in your, in your, in your dining hall um, as a kind of a new, unusual guest that 20 years ago perhaps was not part of it or even two years ago was not part of it? You know, I think we often will refer to a, a certain population called housed but hungry. They are the folks who are working. What is it called? Housed but hungry. So they're working. Um, you know, Helga, you had mentioned this. They may be um, earning minimum wage, but they're not going to make all the necessary payments they need to make in a month. And that may result in choosing housing over food. So they're going to end up in our dining room. Um, you know, we are seeing an increase in seniors. I think one of the reasons is the really dramatically high rents in mm -hmm. San Francisco, just exponentially increasing. So folks on a fixed income in these situations sure. are really hurting. So it's folks in and out of work who've just recent, well, recently been unemployed. It's a real variety of folks coming in. And food is one of those areas where you where you can directly help. Having housing for thousands of people is much harder. So yes. if they spend money on a room or some kind of, you know, co-living situation to have a, a safe roof over their heads at night, um, that's wonderful. And then you can provide the clothing and the the food services. Let's talk about that. It's it's really, you said something very beautiful when you um, were a guest on the show and again leading up to our experience volunteering at St. Anthony's a few weeks back. You were saying it doesn't even matter why you come, whether you volunteer or you have a job and you can actually afford a meal. It's not like you're taking food some, from somebody who doesn't have income. It's much more important to show up. It's much more important to build that community, to be part of it in whatever role, even if you can absolutely afford you know, your, your rent and and your food come down and be part of it because showing up is what, what matters the most. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, for us, before St. Anthony's opened in 1950, fr uh, friars who were working in a church next door were passing out bag lunches. And so folks were actually eating, but they're eating by themselves. So mm. obviously I do not want to downplay how critical that meal sure. is for folks, but really what's equally as critical is building community. And, uh, you know, for companies all around the country, you know, you always talk about this issue of bottom line. What is the bottom line? What is going to make our company thrive? For St. Anthony's, I think for us, does someone coming in feel better when they leave? Hmm. If the answer is yes, that's our bottom line. And that person may be a volunteer. That person may be someone coming for food. That person may be a donor. But if they feel a little better about what they did, then that's our bottom line. I and have an example. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is on the volunteer side because yeah. this is where my experience oh, has been. Good. So we volunteered at St. Anthony last year for Christmas. And what we ended up doing is we weren't in the dining hall. We were passing hot chocolate out to the people standing in line waiting to get into the dining hall. And it occurred to me after the fact that this is so critical, not necessarily as far as calories and making sure you're fed, but as far as the attention someone mm. gives to the experience you have on Christmas Day. To pass out hot chocolate so that you feel like this is, this is celebratory and you're staying warm 
I can't, I can't really even summarize in words what makes it so special beyond just feeding somebody. It is just about human spirit. Yeah, that's what Reshni um, was saying, who's helping you coordinate volunteers, mm -hmm. and big shout out to her, great job. Um, she was saying that interaction between volunteers and guests being served at St. Anthony, sometimes it's the only real conversation they have. And we're not talking about 15 minutes of talking with one another, but just to say, good to see you, enjoy your meal, how was it, did you like it? That is really the attention of the day they are getting. Right? Absolutely, yeah. And beautiful and so simple, I yeah. mean, really so simple. Well, Mark and I were talking about your experience that you guys had earlier this month volunteering, and, you know, we were talking about those name tags. People, we, every volunteer who comes in <laughs> and staff are always wearing name tags, and I think it takes people, they always, no one loves name tags in certain situations, but in this one, it's so important. Everyone knew Mark at the end. <laughs> yes, they did, <laughs> right? But people, I imagine, call you by your first name, mm -hmm. and I think Again, that's a humanizing experience. For so many folks coming to St. Anthony's, they are on the fringe of our social circles. Yeah. They're often ignored. They're often overlooked. That is never Pretty good. Very anonymous. Very anonymous. And just that basic validation, that basic hello, and to be able to call you by name, which is a social equalizer, which mm. makes us all in this together. There's no kind of hierarchy. That is one of the fundamental reasons why I think people do have that experience when they come in. Mm -hmm. They feel they, be they belong. Well, and I think it's also really valuable to ask people's names. Mm -hmm. A friend told me once years and years ago that the most beautiful sound in the entire world is the sound of your own name. Mm -hmm. And for these people who may not have a lot of social interaction on their daily basis, if nobody ever looks in their eyes, asks their name, calls them by name, if you go weeks and weeks at a time without nobody ever saying, hi, Carl, mm -hmm. or that's Carl over there, do you start to lose a part of, of your self-love yeah. because nobody is Identity. recognizing sure. you? So the, the effort that the volunteers make, like we said, there were volunteers who had been there for every Saturday for 13 years, and I made a comment about this woman who had so much energy, and she came with her dog, and she was saying, hi, babe, to everybody. She was so wonderful, and I said something to Sasha, who we were volunteering with, and he said, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. Like, he knew her name, and I just thought that was so remarkable that you could say hi to these people every Saturday. I, I think, you know, what you were saying, Sita, the one thing to remember, too, is, is while folks coming into our dining room for food are in tough situations, they get out of those situations, and this is a mobile dynamic. People actually pull their lives back together and, and oftentimes will go on and, and really get back, you know, into their lives if, if that means being self-sufficient. But what they, when we see those really amazing success stories, <laughs> when they come back, they will always mention something exactly what you said. They will say, in those moments where I had forgotten about Where myself. It was, mm -hmm. it was your personal attention, it was your effort to call me by name that brought me back. So. And it's it's wonderful to hear actually that um, it's not the 40-year service until somebody passes on. I'm mm -hmm. sure there are people who rely on St. Anthony's or other food kitchens throughout the country for the rest of their lives. But there is that story where, where people come back, you know, fall back onto their feet, get a job, don't actually need the services of St. Anthony's, but are, are coming back anyway, right? They're choosing to come back. Well, that's actually what Gio was, uh, one of your staff who mm -hmm. I was working with uh, that day. She was saying that there are people who've gone on with their lives. They've actually moved away in some cases, and many of them come back because they say, this is my community. For these, are, these are the people be, yeah. who were truly there for me. Mm -hmm. When I needed when I needed somebody, and this is this is how I celebrate Thanksgiving. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite stories is quick. It's just we were um, asked to submit a grant proposal to a very prominent 
San Francisco Foundation. And we did this whole thing. It took, you know, an hour. It's intimidating, big boardroom, corporate boardroom, <laughs> this whole thing surrounded by 15 or 20 suits, as we might call them. So we did this whole presentation. It was over and done. At the very end, as people were leaving the building, somebody who had been on that board came to our executive director and said, you know, my family ate at St. Anthony's when I was a little kid. <gasps> So just to show the sort of dynamic and upwardly mobile, downwardly mobile spiral, it, it's pretty amazing um, who has come through there and in what circumstances. Yeah, and um, I think you were saying that coming there is the first step towards, mm -hmm. towards that new path, right? Mm -hmm. To feeling that community, getting the nourishment in terms of food, but getting the nourishment through community too. Mm -hmm. The people who are, who are coming to food kitchens who break the cycle of that's not for me or... Um, you know, don't don't embrace that community. Stay out of it. The moment you make that step into a dining hall, um, you are you you have served yourself already. It feels like absolutely. And that's Carl Robillard, communications and outreach senior manager for the St. Anthony Foundation. With Thanksgiving coming up, um, are you still looking for volunteers? Uh, sometimes, you know, you said that is the busiest time. We need the most, but we also get the most volunteers. It's like, you know, Labor Day when everyone is camping where we need more support. What is this year looking like? I love that question. I always feel like I the maitre d' at it. Boulevard or Gary Danko <laughs> the one day of the year because everybody wants to be at St. Anthony's on Thanksgiving, yeah. and that's a wonderful thing. I really never want to communicate anything about how wonderful it is. However, fire laws, all kinds of reasons, we can only have so many people. Right. So the truth is Thanksgiving has filled. We have between 120 and 150 people making their way through there that day, and we wouldn't do as it without volunteers. those folks. As yeah. volunteers, yeah. exclusively volunteers. Yeah. And we made the cut. We'll and be you there guys again. made the cut. <laughs> under the velvet Actually, you haven't heard the said. latest news. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm we'll in. talk after I'm the in. show. <laughs> At least two of three are. Um, but, you know, again, it, Christmas, I, you always Christmas look and Thanksgiving, for we always fill up. It doesn't mean no. we don't love your yes. help. But we know every year, year after year, New Year's Day and the week after is always low. I think some of the hardest days in the dining room, which is a very upbeat place, are the days right after Christmas. Because yeah. there's a whole bravado with the holidays. People love it. It's an exciting day to be there. The day after, it's like the hangover, you know, mm -hmm. if you will. I mean, pe people's spirits are lower. Everyone who's kind yeah. of flocked to the neighborhood has left. It'll be another year before. It might be another year, it, yeah. exactly. So we would love volunteers, but really, I would say the number one rule mm -hmm. of thumb is be flexible. Make sure you can be there, but be flexible and know that we would like your help. Just try and tune in where we can use you. Great, yeah, wonderful. Again, that's Carl Robillard. Thank you for coming in, Carl. Thank um, you. More information, sanctanthonysf.org or any food kitchen throughout the country near you in whatever city or town you may be listening to this show. Um, you're listening to an organic conversation. We're discussing the new face of hunger, building community through food. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Life's a game, and so is work. And just like any game, sometimes your team is in a slump. Maybe it's a new team, maybe there's conflict, maybe you're under pressure to keep up with your own success. Whatever it is, it is time to get your game face on. The ultimate game of work combines game design with executive coaching to create high-engagement workplaces. Boost your team's creativity and performance by designing the game you want to play and win together with the ultimate game of work. Enticed? Learn more at ultimategameofwork.com.
Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Wunkey. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we were discussing the new face of hunger, building community through food in this episode with Carl Robillard, Communications and Outreach Senior Manager of the St. Anthony Foundation. That's stanthonysf.org. Um, and we were talking about the lasting experience of us just donating two hours, giving or actually receiving two hours of community service. Really? It was so beautiful and so rewarding from the minute we walked in. Um, and again, two hours was all that was asked of us. It makes you think, why do I not do this more Every often? Every time. Every, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and you I, had a great idea, Sita, of how to integrate it more into... Mm, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I was thinking <laughs> about the power of peer persuasion and how, you know, if you were to tell your friends, because we brought Earl with us, and Earl was like, wow, I'm so happy that you guys invited me. And we were like, it was the easiest thing in the world to just call our friend and say, we're going to St. Anthony, why don't you come with us? And it made me think, if on your birthday, for example, you said, we're all getting together, we're going to have a big celebration i can't wait to celebrate my birthday with you meet me at saint anthony we're going to volunteer for a couple of hours beforehand and a couple things happen one there's a little bit of peer pressure there it's kind of like well if they're all going to be volunteering and i'm going to be just like cleaning my closet that seems like really shallow (laughs) so people will be more likely to go and once they go and they see how easy and accessible and wonderful it is they're more likely to go again so start start your group with yeah, invite some a couple friends. of hours anywhere you can volunteer. Right after Christmas. The ah. days after Christmas. <laughs> that would be a good time to do it. And what really occurs for me is that there's a lot of hunger in many different ways in the world. And whatever you do and however you contribute or serve can help ease some of that hunger. And that's what really occurred for me in this conversation is the hunger comes in many, many ways. One of which is the hunger for produce, though. And that gets us right to the next segment. (laughs) It is time for the weekly update of what's going on in the world of produce docs. Here's our own Mark Mukehi with What's in Season. You're not grooving, Mark. That's the quite the theme. I, I, <laughs> the world of produce docs. Um, so since we've been talking about Thanksgiving and feeding people, it, it, it is the time of year when you start thinking about getting together with your loved ones or your community or your friends or that type of thing around Thanksgiving Day. And so I wanted to have Earl on today to talk about some of the, you know, the staples that people buy, green beans, sweet potatoes, onions, potatoes, what the market's going to look like, are, are the prices high, are the markets good, whether you should buy yellow onions like it's Helga has in his hand or or whether you should buy a garnet yam or a jewel yam or green beans or any of that type of thing. And just kind of like what's the market, you know, and what, what you give you some helpful tips on what you should do. So, as always, we've, we've dialed up Earl, the voice of the Mar- San Francisco produce market from Earl's Organic Produce in San Francisco. Earl, are you there? Hello, Mark. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Earl. Uh, we, happy we, Thanksgiving. And, and, and we have Carl in the studio with us. 
from, from St. Anthony. Anthony's. Yes. All right. We were just sharing our experience volunteering with you. Lovely day. Thank you again for coming. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, very thankful I went. Yes. Uh, for me, you know, the ordinariness of it, just the act of carrying over a, a, a plate of food to someone and them being grateful for it just allowed me just to, just to reflect and, and to be there with myself and in simple service. I, I'm just very, very grateful to do that. And it's very simple to do. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. So, Earl, um, yeah. we talked earlier, and, you know, it, now's the time people are thinking about sweet potatoes and green beans and onions and mm -hmm. cranberries and uh, potatoes, you know. So what's the market look like for all those types of things that people mm -hmm. will be shopping pretty frantically for here in a week From or two? On. Yeah. yeah, I think we got a week and a half or so, which is uh, I'm sure people are either, I mean, the serious people have already probably got their menu and everything down. Uh, it certainly is not too late to get things organized. This year is going to be a little different. Now, that doesn't mean uh, what we can do, what we can expect, are higher prices. And that's really about, that's based on the supply side, where it is, the demand is, is extraordinary, and the supply side is stable, so it, it, the supply is tight, which does equal that equation of supply and demand. So prices are going to go up. Supply is going to be tight, but it's not going to be any situation you need to go out today, 12 days before, and buy. But it does mean, perhaps, that maybe the weekend before, you want to get a couple things that you may not find on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I think those two items, historically in this year in, in particular, are going to be beans and mushrooms. Mm -hmm. So buy your beans and mushrooms early. That people look for and it's tight and i think you and if you buy them and store them appropriately in the refrigerator they're going to last fine and so uh, so. so with that earl you're talking about beans and mushrooms now just really quick if you are going to buy your your mushrooms on the weekend like saturday or sunday to get them beforehand probably saturday mm -hmm. better than sunday is you want to put them in a paper bag not a plastic bag because that'll well, keep you know that what i do i have a, a tupperware and i put um, paper, brown paper towel on the bottom, and the mushrooms on in it, and that paper towel is enough to absorb it. Well, so that's doing the same thing that the paper bag's going to do, Earl. You're absolutely right on. You're right on track. Is <laughs> no, no, that's that's true. It, it's, it's the deal of true. keeping the moisture away from the mushrooms because that's that's where they'll start to get slimy or break down quickly. So that's so either way, the way the Earl does it yep. or the paper bag, you could do it either way. And the green beans, if you're going to get them. You want to make sure that you're looking at them, that they're firm, they're dry, they're not wrinkly at all. Those you can keep in a plastic bag, but you just want to make sure, you just want to make sure that you don't, that you have, if you have um, a lot of humidity in your fridge, you'd want to make sure that you pay attention to them, you know, from then until Wednesday. And you could put a paper towel in with them too. Um, what's the scoop on green beans, Earl? Is there going to be are yeah. green beans going to be coming locally or California or you know what's going to be the scoop come uh, Thanksgiving for green beans? Well, green beans came early this year in California, and in coming early, they're ending early. Uh, but as been happening in the last couple of years, the Mexican growers are uh, are anxious to get into the Thanksgiving deal because that's a huge supply side for them. So we're not going to have any. 
uh, loss of supply there between California and Mexico. We're going to have Mexican just slip right in and fill whatever gap that generally may have occurred. And it's going to be some very high-quality stuff, too. I remember last year I had them both at the same time. The year was a little different, and they were interchangeable. You you know, none of our customers cared uh, they they love the quality of both of them. Sure. Earl, um, are you saying that really for the holidays, like the two, three, four days when people shop the most for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. retail stores might actually up the prices, so it's it's actually smarter to buy it now? How would it help to buy it now versus next week? It doesn't, right? Well, yeah. Well, th- there certainly is a possibility of that, especially on very tight items, and, and many things are going to be tight, but the two I mentioned in particular... What I would do is I would buy hard items now, and I mean that would be gotcha. onions and potatoes. Okay, to be have it and out of the way. Sweet potatoes. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and, and yams and sweet potatoes. Buy them you early. Because they're going to be good in, in 10 or 12 days. There's no problem gotcha. with that. And, I, and that would also uh, kind of a, a preliminary uh, strike before prices might go up. Gotcha. Because there certainly is a good possibility uh, if, uh, as a retailer, you have – you know, X amount, and you know you could sell that five times over. There's a tendency to raise the price sure. 20, 30 cents a pound. Yes. Good to know. Thank <laughs> you. That's really good. Buy early. The, um, so, you know, in general, uh, what, what I've seen many retailers do and, and many customers in particular get arrested potatoes. And this year, uh, the bar, in, in previous years, the bargain has been that, that bag, that 10 by 5 a bag that is available, a five-pound, ten-pound bag. Yeah. Well, this year, mm-hmm. they're going to be available, but they're not going to be the bargain they've been in the past because the potatoes sized up this year, and there's less small potatoes of which go into those bags. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, you know, maybe you uh, this year you get big potatoes, and everybody gets a big fat potato on their plate this year. <laughs> so, so the takeaway there from Earl is that for some of your uh, hard staple stuff, you can buy it a little bit early. For some of your more fragile stuff, you can buy it closer to the time, but you might want to make sure you go. Maybe you shop on Monday or Sunday instead of waiting till Wednesday, Wednesday to make sure you get them, and that the prices aren't going to be aren't going to come down. They're going to stay. They're going to stay relatively um, stable and or even a little bit higher for this holiday. And so, just make sure you get what you want for your Great. for your menu. Thank you, Earl. Thanks so much, hey. Earl. Thank you're you. welcome. Thanks. We'll talk to and you next everybody week. Everybody, enjoy Thanksgiving. Okay. Yes, you Bye-bye. too. I love you all next all right. week. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Thank thanks, Mark, and thanks Great. for bringing yeah, in all these delicious know. goodies, sweet potatoes and green beans and, and onions. Feels like Thanksgiving today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of treats that we like to celebrate, Helga, do you have an organic moment for us this week? Sure. Yes. I do. You sure do. And it's it's coming. (laughs) That's how we know. That's how we know. (laughs) Yes, my organic moment. It's my weekly reflection on what inspires me and um, the good work that is being done. And along the lines of Sita's holistic bite uh, about eating healthy around the holidays and volunteering, our topic today, the new face of hunger um, and some peer pressure or peer pressure, but also peer pressure. I want to talk about my dog, my dog Timber. He never used to eat apples or fruit. And um, he hangs out with a lot of, uh, with two other friends a lot of times. um, And they love eating fallen fruit, apples, apricots, pears. So Timber, who I could literally hand feed pieces of apples and he would take them and drop them pre-chewed by me, it does not matter, he does not eat apples, has started to eat apples. 
And I think it's the inspiration of the other dog because it's not it's not that he is uh, you know some some dogs have some food scarcity issues or if it's his bone then they growl when another dog comes up he doesn't have any of that uh, he's the most giving and easy around food dog that I've ever seen but now he eats apples and I do think it's the inspiration and the encouragement of the other dogs which brings me right back to the show topic today volunteering and Sita's idea of bringing your friends out um, I know Mark you have spoken a lot about health and you are addressing your body in a way you've never have, and now I talk about alignment. Mm -hmm. And um, so we are the environment we speak, we are the environment we are creating, and um, that has always been true. We are the change we want to see in the world, um, and that even works beyond species. So yes, be the change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and share your apples. Share your apples <laughs> in Paris. And, and, and Timber is in the studio with us, and so he must be hearing what's in season every week. So yeah. maybe that's starting to the expire. It's a new definition of pear pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That actually reminds me of something really beautiful that happened when we were at St. Anthony, is that the fruit of the day was kiwi. Mm -hmm. And some people were not kiwi fans, and they just left them on the table. But they knew there was one woman who loved kiwis or loved to take the fruit home with her. So she would visit the tables and ask if anybody wanted these kiwis. And they would say, no, no, please take them. And she collected all of these kiwis to take with her. And there were so many heartwarming things about that. <laughs> the dialogue, the desire, the sharing. It was just the vitamin C. The vitamin C. Great well, it's, you know, we get prevention. inspired by other people, and we don't often recognize how our words and our actions inspire others, too. So, you know, being the change. Thank you, Mark, for leading that in regards to body and health. And it made me look at my lifestyle, which I thought was perfect, but certainly needs improvement. <laughs> As most we, of us we do. We all learn every day. Well, <laughs> thanks for that inspiration, Helga, yes. and thank you for inspiring us, Carl. Yeah. Such a pleasure to have it you always on. always is. Yes, I loved it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.